Good morning. Great to see everybody. Aren't you glad? Through Christ, we can go to a place where the soul uh, will never die. Uh, but friend, be reminded, uh, the Bible also says there's a place called hell uh, where the soul dies forever. And I pray God will move us in these days uh, over the lostness uh, that just seems to consume our land, that ever will be uh, more uh, working uh, towards sharing the love of Christ and the good news uh, with others so they can experience what we've experienced in our heart and can spend eternity with us in a place called heaven. Again, I want to welcome everybody that's here, those who join us uh, online. We welcome you. Hope that you've enjoyed the beautiful weather uh, this past week and yesterday and look forward to another uh, great afternoon of spring weather and uh, just enjoy the change in the seasons in just a few weeks. It'll be Easter Sunday, and we'll celebrate the hope that we have uh, because he lives. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer now and ask for his guidance and his leadership over this service and over our lives as we do each week, that the opportunities that are available to us this morning will not be missed, but we'll respond to God's perfect will in every way. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks uh, for this opportunity that is ours today. Forgive us, God, when we take for granted, again, the freedom that we have to be able to get up, uh, to dress, uh, to get in our vehicles, and to come to a place where you've led us, where a body of believers can come together and freely worship, can read your word, can pray, can give invitations and invite people to trust Christ and to respond to his word. God, this is the day you've made. We're rejoicing in it. We're glad. And I pray that we'll not miss one single opportunity uh, that is available to us today. Father, we pray your precious Holy Spirit will do the work that only he can do. And that is to convict of sin, Christ's righteousness, our need for it, judgment that will come without it. And Father, judgment for the believer that's going to come one day. Uh, Father, as we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, I pray we'll always be mindful of this. Father, we pray that as we sing this morning, God will uplift and magnify the name of Christ. God will really think about the words uh, that we're singing uh, this morning. And Father, you'll be honored and you'll be glorified through it all. And as we come to a time of invitation, oh God, that which you call us and invite us to do today, we'll respond to and say yes. It's in Jesus' precious in holy name, we ask all these things. Every one of God's people said, Amen. Let's go. Let's all stand. Y'all worship with us as we sing this Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a Yeah. 
Pam, thank you. Praise the Lord for all the Christ-honoring music this morning. Amen? Take your Bibles, please. Turn with me in the Old Testament book of Haggai uh, this morning. We continue our studies on Sunday morning through the Minor Prophets. And this morning, uh, we'll be looking at Haggai. We'll begin in chapter 1 and verse number 1. And for a few moments this morning, I want to speak to you on this subject. Stop and think. Stop and think. Haggai chapter 1, and we'll begin to read in verse number 1. I'll give you just a moment. Some of you are still turning there. Don't be embarrassed to use the table of contents if you, if you have to. If you found that, say amen. Stand with me, all those that can, in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in the book of Haggai, chapter 1, beginning to read in verse number 1. The Bible says these words. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheathel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that sh- this, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple lie in ruins? Now therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. In other words, stop and think. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that your spirit would challenge us today and would speak to us. And God, I pray this morning that through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, God, you'll lead us today to consider our ways, to stop today, God, and just to think about where we are spiritually as we stand before you. Lord, you know the true reality of our hearts, and God, we do. Father, I pray this morning that you would draw us, for those who have never been saved, into a relationship with you through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, his sacrifice the offering that was made on our behalf because the wages of sin is death. And if there's one who has never been saved, that God, they'll turn this morning and they'll trust Christ to be Lord of their life. Father, I pray if there's one here who's not walking in a right relationship with you, they've stopped being faithful uh, to live out and to live on mission, that which you've called us to do daily. Really, as a result, because we don't love you like we once did, Father, I pray that we'll turn and we'll experience the revival and renewal that only you can bring. And Father, I pray that you'll challenge every believer today just to stop and to examine our hearts. And Father, if there's anything that Satan could build a stronghold upon, which could cause us to turn away from you, God, I pray that we'll yield that to you today. We'll put it away. We'll leave in a right, renewed relationship with you. Because of this time today where we stop and we think, and we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he leads us into your will, and we obey the voice of the Lord. Bless this time. We'll give you thanks. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I'll invite you to be seated again. In 520 B.C., Haggai uh, began, his, began his ministry. We've, we've really been dealing uh, with two major dates, 722 B.C., 586 uh, BC. 722 B.C. was when the northern kingdom of Israel uh, experienced the judgment of the Lord through the nation of Assyria. 586 B.C. is when finally Babylon uh, destroyed the temple. And those are the two major dates. Well, years have passed now. And you'll remember that in 538 B.C. And this morning you may want to, just as uh, for a companion, uh, put your ribbon or put a little piece of paper there in the companion book in the book of Ezra because we'll be looking at a few verses in that because Ezra details what happened in 538 B.C. Uh, when after the decree of Cyrus, uh, there through the leadership of Zerubbabel, a group of people returned and they began to rebuild uh, the altar and their sacrifices were made. But the house of the Lord laid in ruins because uh, Babylon had destroyed the temple completely. The, the wood supports, certainly the rock was still there, but all the beams and all the supports that had been there to support the rock, they'd been destroyed in the fire. And so the house of the Lord lay in ruin. And 
part of the Lord's decree in their returning was that they would begin to rebuild the temple. And they had, they had laid the foundation, but then something happened. And 16 years later after that, the house of the Lord is still not being rebuilt. And so God called Haggai to go and to challenge and to speak to the people and to, to call them uh, to stop and think about where they were spiritually. What had gone wrong? That the foundation had been laid, but the house of the Lord had still not been fully constructed. And what they needed to do to, to return uh, into a right relationship with the Lord. Because even though they had just experienced these years of judgment in Babylon, now after just a few years of returning, they've, they've kind of slipped back into apathy and apostasy uh, and indifference. And they need God's reviving work upon their lives. And so Haggai's going to challenge them. He's going to remind them, first off, number one, about a holy commission. A holy commission. Uh, God had sent them back for a specific purpose and had given him a very specific task. In Ezra chapter 1, begin to read in verse number 1, the Bible says these words, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, remember, Babylon had been the agent that God had used to judge the southern kingdom in 586 B.C. But after that, uh, the Medo-Persian confederacy had displaced Babylon. And so now they were enslaved by Persia. Uh, so that, uh, verse 1, so that a proclamation throughout all his kingdom uh, also put it in writing saying, verse 2, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdom's birth, the Lord God of heaven is given unto me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is among you of all his people. May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, now listen, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God which is in Jerusalem. And whoever has left any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold and with goods and livestock besides the freewill offerings for the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And so that was the mission in the returning, not just to return. They had a very specific mission. They had a holy commission that had been given to them to return and to rebuild the house of the Lord. And in Ezra chapter 3, verse number 8, the Bible says, Now in the second month of the year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, that which was left, Zerubbabel, uh, the son of Sheathil, Jeshua, uh, Joshua, literally, the son of Jehoshadak, and the rest of their brethren, and the priests and the Levites, and all those who had come out of the captivity to Jerusalem, began work and appointed Levites from 20 years old and above to oversee the work of the the house of the Lord. And so they had constructed an altar. Sacrifices had been made. They began to worship the Lord, but still there was no house. And then the Bible goes on to say in these verses that remain, in verses 8 through 13 of Ezra, that they laid the foundation. And when they laid the foundation, many of the older generation who had seen the former glory, they began to cry. Uh, and it was mixed emotion. One, that there was a new beginning, but that which had been lost. They knew that what was going to be rebuilt wouldn't even compare to the former glory of the prior house. But the younger generation began to shout and to be very excited uh, because this was an opportunity to begin again fresh, to have a fresh start with a reconsecration to Christ's lordship. Uh, Exodus 19.6, to be the kingdom of priests that God had called them to do. To be, to, to, be, to be a light unto the Gentiles. God said in Genesis 12, I'll bless those that bless you, to Abraham, I'll curse those that curse you, and through you shall all families of the world be blessed. That's which the nation of Israel experienced. They were to be a kingdom of priests and to, to share that message and to share the word and to be a light, to be a reflection of God's grace and God's glory. And, and part of that fulfillment was tied to their spiritual walk and their spiritual health. And part of their spiritual walk and their spiritual health was dependent upon temple worship. No temple, no worship. And, and also, the, the house, number two, the house laying in ruins was representative of really what their relationship with God had been. Much was the, 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 the burden that Nehemiah had 
when he saw the walls around Jerusalem laying in ruins. It was a shame. It was a reproach. It looked poorly upon the testimony of the nation of Israel. And so the house of God needed to be rebuilt. Now listen, nothing was to deter them in that. Absolutely nothing. There, there would be obstacles, there would be challenges, but that was the mission that God had given him. He didn't give him an out. There was no well but. There wasn't an asterisk with some fine print that said, you know, well, if these things happen, then stop building. God said to go and to build the temple. That was their holy commission. Friend, I want to remind you that the Lord Jesus Christ has given the church a holy commission. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 and Acts 1, 8 says that we, we are, as we are going, we're to make disciples. Well, you can't make a disciple who's not been born again. Then the Bible says we're to teach them all things whatsoever God has commanded. Uh, and then Acts 1, 8 says we're to be witnesses for God. We, we know it is three words, reach, teach, and encourage. We're to reach the lost with the gospel. Once someone gets saved, we're to disciple them. We're to teach them all of God's word to help them to learn to be a penetrator, salt, light, to live on mission, and then we're to encourage them. And nothing can deter us in that. There's no well buts or there's no asterisks. Well, if these things happen, you can stop. Well, at some point, if that doesn't become palatable or popular with the people, stop doing that. No, that's the holy commission that God has given the church and we're to be faithful to it. No ifs, ands, or buts. That's what ministry is all about. And that's what we're to do. And that's what we're to keep doing. And there's going, to be, there's going to be adversity. Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul says, there's going to be spiritual warfare. He'll work through people. He'll work through circumstances. Every day that you individually and that we as a people seek to live on mission, there, there are going to be obstacles that are going to stand before us. But nothing can deter us. We must be faithful. They had a holy commission. We have a holy commission. Number two, I want you to notice a half-hearted compromise. A half hearted compromise. The Bible says in the book of Ezra, chapter 4, and in verse number 24, uh, that after some opposition from lost neighbors, first, uh, you know, if you can't beat them, join them, uh, verses 1 through 5 of Ezra, chapter 4, uh, the, the Gentile neighbors tried to, to join with them because they knew that they could try to compromise what it was that they were doing. My friend, listen. Worldly churches don't use the same materials that we do. And so that's why we're never going to use the world's building materials to try to build a church. And so Zerubbabel said, no, we're not, we're not gonna, we don't need your help. Well, then they just tried to oppose them. They tried to lie about them uh, to Cyrus and to the other kings. And the Bible says in Ezra chapter 4, verse number 24, thus the work because of opposition, thus the work of the house of the Lord of God at, which as at Jerusalem, it ceased and it was discontinued. They stopped. They had a half-hearted compromise. And, and listen to what one of their excuses was. Listen to, look at Haggai chapter 1 and verse number 2, where Haggai began to speak to the people 16 years later after they had laid the foundation. And the Bible says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says... For as why they've quit, stop. This, this was their excuse. This is what the people, if someone said... What's that foundation lay out there? Why, weren't y'all going to build the house of the Lord? And the people would say, the time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Well, we saw early on, friends, 16 years ago, God said it was the time. God says that's the reason you're, you're going back. But, but they, they've got a half-hearted compromise. Now, now, once there was a great shout when they laid the foundation, but, but now they've, they've turned away from it. They said, now's, now's not the time. And, and so, verse number three, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, is it time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple lie in ruins? And so God begins to question. And he says, now therefore, thus says the Lord your host, consider your ways. Literally, hey, stop and think for a minute. Look at where you were, what I brought you from, what I've called you to do, Look at, look at what you're doing right now. Look, look at how you're living. 
Remember in Ezra chapter 3, verses 10 through 11, when they laid the foundation, man, they just began, they began to sing. I mean, they had a shouting service. Verse 11 of Ezra chapter 3 says, they sang responsively, praising God, giving thanks to the Lord, uh, and they began to sing a song. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Second verse, same as the first. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Third verse, same. I mean, they just kept singing. I mean, they were so excited. But because the Bible says, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. There was change taking place. They were being faithful to the Holy Commission that God had given him. They were committed to the Lord. Uh, verse 12 says, many of the priests began to weep, but the younger generation, they, just, they shouted aloud for joy. Listen to what verse 13 of Ezra chapter 3 says. So that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of weeping, from the people, for the people shouted with a loud shout, and the shout was heard afar off. People down the road heard him shout. Literally, you heard him say, so they shouted the house down. Well, they were trying to shout the house up. I mean, there was great enthusiasm and excitement for all that was taking place. But then you get to Ezra chapter 4, verse 24, and it stopped. Now the noise of the hammer, now the noise of the work, now the noise of the excitement, the shouting, the joy of being faithful to God's holy commission, it had stopped. Literally, you could hear the crickets chirping, just the sound of silence. See, real spiritual achievement, it takes real heart surrender to the Lord. Real spiritual achievement takes real heart surrender to the Lord. I want you to listen to me, friend. If what you do for the Lord is based merely upon emotion, at some point, some other emotion is going to take place in your life and you will stop serving the Lord. But when you're committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, nothing's going to deter you. I want you to listen to me. They didn't quit because you say, well, they had some hardship. The enemy came against them. Listen, they didn't commit because they weren't committed to the mission. I hear that all the time. You know, be committed. We need people to be committed to this ministry. We want people to be committed to Sunday school. We want people to be committed to the choir. We want, be, we want, we want people to be committed to Awana. Be, be committed to discipleship. No, friend, listen. We don't want you to be committed to any of those things. The goal of discipleship ministry here at Greenwood Baptist Church is not that you're going to be committed to any ministry, but that you will be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you're committed to Him then the ministry is going to, you're going to be here. You're going to be faithful to the ministries of which you signed up and you're a part of. But if you're merely committed to the ministry, you're not committed to much. And that was what they were committed to rebuilding the temple. But they weren't committed to God. And the call of discipleship, friend, is that you die to self and you give your life to Jesus Christ and you're committed to Him. And it won't matter what happens. Opposition, it doesn't matter what the excuse, what's under the asterisks that you've created, you're going to keep serving Jesus Christ because you don't have a half-hearted commitment. You are fully committed and surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And they weren't. And that, listen, that's the reason so many ministries die out, and that's the reason that so many of the crowds just, just drift around from church to church, to big church to big church to big church, just sampling all that's out there. You know, I'm, I'm tired of this ministry. I'm tired of that ministry. Listen, friend, God will lead people from one church to another church. I wouldn't be here if God hadn't led me from the church I was at to this church five years ago. But we're not trying to get you committed to ministries. We're trying to call you to be committed to Jesus Christ in all ways. Because, friend, when you're all in, listen, you can't be half out. You can't. When you go home today, listen, if all of your body is inside the car, you're not going to drag one leg all the way home. If you're all in, you can't be half out. Well, they were half out, friend, because they never were all in. Do you see that this morning? The reason that they quit is because they never were really all in. And from time to time, somebody will just show up, be on fire, their hair will be on fire, and they'll be serving in the ministry, and some little silly thing will happen. And then I'll hear those words together that I absolutely despise. Church hurt. 
They got their feelings hurt. Somebody stepped up, and then, man, they're, they're just, they, they, they are gone. And they've quit, and they're not going anywhere. Well, friend, they never were in. So they're, they're getting out. They weren't in. When you're all in for Christ, it doesn't matter what anybody says to you, does to you, friend. You're serving the Lord, not the church. You're all in. They had a half-hearted commitment. Mark chapter 12, verses 30 through 31. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God, though your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This crowd knew this. Deuteronomy 6 says that was their supreme command. Hear, O Israel, there is one God. You shall love the Lord your God, though your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you shall love your neighbors yourself. That, that was their supreme commitment. But they had a half-hearted commitment. Friend, when you really love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your priorities are going to be Jesus, others, and me last. What was this crowd? Me, me, me. God called them. He gave them a holy commission to rebuild the temple. They experienced a little opposition, some hardship. And listen, it was merely their excuse to quit. You hear me? It was just their excuse to quit. They were just waiting. They were just looking any little thing that they could use so they could bow out and not look bad. That's the excuse that they took because their priorities were not God first, others second, me last. Their priorities were me, me, and me. You may, once a year, and I hope you do, go get the physical. You need to do that. That's part of your physical stewardship. Take care of your body. You need to go see your doctor. So I've got white, white coat syndrome. Get over it. You need to go see a doctor once a year and get checked out. And you'll start going through all your list of medications. And then sometimes, you know, this has happened to me before. You know, say, well, you have any little problems? I say, well, Doc, you know, I get, I get a little rash on my hand uh, right here every now and then. Don't have it anymore. But I do one time, Doc, say, hey, listen, I'm going to give you some hydrocortisone that you can't buy at the drugstore. It's, it's 2%, not 1%. And then he'll say, now listen, he'll say these words. You, you ready? You use this as needed. Just use this as needed. You don't have to use it all the time, but just use this. So literally, when the rash comes up and there's a problem, then, then you take this prescription and you use this need. And friend, I want to tell you, that, that's how so many people treat the Lord Jesus Christ. They're, they've got him. They keep him way back there in the shelf or back there in the drawer behind all the used dental floss and everything else that falls down in that dirty drawer beside your laboratory, and we don't think about him, then all of a sudden there'll be a problem in our lives, and then we'll use him as needed. And if we don't need him anymore, we'll put him back up. That's what the nation of Israel did. They weren't, they weren't committed to a daily walk and surrendered love relationship to Jesus Christ. They just, just as needed. A half-hearted commitment. That's what happened in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 6, the Bible says he had many people that had joined themselves to him because of the miracles which they saw. Remember John chapter 6? It was the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus seized that opportunity. After through a little boy's box lunch, he created a great miracle to feed all those people. And he began to lay out with them what real discipleship looks like. One of the saddest verses in Scripture is John chapter 6 and verse number 66, where the Bible says that once they heard, listen to me, what full heart surrendered commitment to Christ looked like. Not a half-hearted commitment, but an all-in surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Relationship looked like. The Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 66, that from that time, many of his quote-unquote disciples turned back and followed him no more. So we didn't sign up for this. We don't want this. But then listen. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and he looked at them. The twelve disciples and he said, Will you go away also? You remember what Peter said? He says, But Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You and you only, God, you have the words of eternal life. Peter said, God, look, Lord, we're all in. We're all in. And friend, listen, you, you need to stop and think this morning. Where am I? Because Paul says in the last day, 1 Timothy chapter 4, there'll be a falling away. There'll be a group of people who want to attach to the church. They're going to detach from the church. There's, there's going to be a, a falling away. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4, Paul, Paul told Timothy, there'll be people who are going to turn away from sound doctrine. They don't want to hear what 
the one who they're supposed to be surrendered to his lordship has to say to them daily through his holy word, a falling away and a turning away. And it's a good opportunity just to stop and to think and consider our ways and say, you know, what is my commitment, really? Not, not what I've tried to build, but what's the true reality of my commitment to Christ? Am I an all-in, surrendered disciple of Christ? Or do I just kind of use Jesus as needed? Just as needed. You know, when Mama gets a bad report from the hospital, you know, then I, I pull him out. But I want to I want put, put this on the prayer list. Trouble at work, put this on the prayer list. Oh, neighbors, Matt, put this on prayer. Need your prayers. Prayers going up. Prayers going up. Or am I all in? They were half-hearted. What's, what's the true definition of our life today? Number three, notice now, not only a half-hearted compromise, but a heralding chastisement. A heralding chastisement. Look what God in his mercy did in verse number 3. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, God sent a man to speak to them and to challenge them and say, Hey, look, you need, to, you need to stop. You need to think for a second. You just got away from a little vacation there in Babylon. Okay? And now you're back and you've got this fresh opportunity. And look, where you need to stop and think where you are. This is the reality. Of what's, of what's taking place. Ezra chapter 5, verse number 1. Ezra even says, The prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Ido, prophets prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Ezra chapter 6, verse 14 says the same thing. Through, through the preaching, the heralding message that God sent through them, Haggai chapter 1, verse 5, he says, stop and consider your ways. Stop and think. God says, you need to really take an image, not what you've created, everybody to think, but what's the true reality of your spiritual walk right now? Because you've turned away from me. You've put you first. Look, look what he goes on to say, consider your ways. Look at verse 6. You've sown much, you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. Now remember, this was after... 16 years of rebellion and apathy and indifference to the holy commission God had called them to do, and they turned away from it. Well, they just kept living. He said, you so much, you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one's warm. He who earns wages, earns wages to put in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord, consider your ways. What God's saying is, how's that worked out for you? I gave you a plan, but you followed your own plan. How... How's that worked out for you? Look at verses 9 through 11. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, God says, I blew it away. You, the time that you were supposed to be using to build my house, to be living for me, you used that time for yourself to make more money, and I just blew it away. You put it in the bank, blew it away. For us, refrigerator broke, transmission went out, Roof started leaking. Doctor bills started piling up. You wanted to hoard it. I just blew it away, God said. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my... Look at verse number 9. Why? Why did all this happen? Because of my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. Because you put you first and me last. And the Bible says, Whom the Lord loves, he will chasten. He'll chasten. God says, stop and think about this. Now look at this one, verse number 7. God says, now stop and think, consider your ways. Now in Ezra chapter 3, and in verse number 7, the Bible says that God had prospered them and had given them resources to be able to trade and buy logs from Tyre and Sidon that they might rebuild the temple and be able to fulfill, don't miss this, listen, the Holy Commission that God had given them. But now look what happened. Look what Haggai has to say to him here in verse number 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. Well, 16 years ago, they had a pile of logs and a pile of lumber out in the lumber yard 
And now it's all gone. Termites get a hold of it. Did it rot in 16 years? Where did all of the resources that God had given them to build the temple go? Look at verse number 4 of chapter 1. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and the temple lies in ruins? Listen, they hadn't just built a place to live. They had built little palaces. They had paneled walls like the homes of kings. Where had all the wood gone? They had taken all the resources that God had given them to serve Him, and they used them on themselves. They used it for, for them. God says, stop and think, where'd all the wood go? You used it on yourself. He said, I prospered you, I provided for you, I equipped you with everything that you, you needed, and you misused all of it. God says, stop and think about that. Friend, that, and that brings us to a place that I need to stop and think. You know, God, and, am, am I using my gifts and my resources for mission accomplishment? Or am I using it for my personal plans? You know, God, I'll, I'll fit you in where I can, but now, God, I've got, I've got life to live. And God, we, God, we've worked, God, we've worked hard all these years. We're going to enjoy our retirement. We've worked hard. So we're just, we're just going to take some time. We're going to enjoy ourselves. Friend, listen, what the Lord has given you, He has given you to serve Him and to honor Him. And then that begs, God, am I, am I using the best of my time? to learn more about you, to spend time in fellowship and prayer with you. I mean, using the, the best of my time to reach lost people, to live on mission, to do what you call that. That's the Holy Commission. Is the church doing that? Is that what we're really focused on? Is that our main focus and our main priority, that we reach people with the gospel and disciple and encourage? They had absolutely misused every resource. And we think, well, listen, now... 10% of the resources, and we're going to talk about this in a few weeks, and look at Malachi, you know, 10% belongs to the Lord. No, friend, I want to remind you, 100% of it belongs to the Lord. Every dime you've got, every nail in your house, every rivet in your car, every thread that's in your clothes, every dead president that's in your bank account, every single bit of it belongs to the Lord. Every bit of it. And he has graciously allowed you to use the other 90% to serve him and to honor him. It all belongs to him. So everything gets the idea, well, I've got to give to God what's God's, and I'll keep mine. No, friend, it's all his. But it begs the question, sometimes, you know, some, some people go on vacation with what does belong to God and designated to him. We'll get to that when we get to Malachi. But he said, stop and think. Am I using my gifts and resources for mission accomplishment? And so because of that, chapter 2, they'd become unclean. They had turned away from serving the Lord, being wholly committed to His Lordship. They weren't fulfilling the Great Commission. And through Haggai, God begins to challenge them, chapter 2, verses 10 through 14, that now they've become unclean spiritually. They're backslid. They're out of fellowship. And he begins to challenge one of the priests about clean and unclean. Verse number 14, Then Haggai answered and said, So is this people and so is this nation before me, says the Lord, so that every work of their hands and what they offer is unclean. Because their sin was separating them from God. They could go that day and start working on the temple, but until they confessed, concurred, and there was change, it really didn't matter. You know, friend, you can do a lot of things that God commands you to do and still do it from an unclean heart. And what God wanted was for them to be a holy, separated people. Again, Exodus 19, 6, to be a kingdom of priests, rightly related to Him. And so Haggai was trying to tell them they needed cleansing. It was the same realization that Isaiah came to. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 7, as he looked and he saw the holiness of God, Upon the throne. He realized that he was a man of unclean lips. His heart was wrong. You remember what happened? God had to touch him with a coal from the altar where sacrifice was made. Only God can cleanse, friend, what sin has made unclean. 
He was trying to remind them that they needed that right relationship. And so Haggai was faithful to the mission that God gave him. He lived out, Isaiah 58, 1, Cry loud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, and declare to my people their sins. That's what he was telling them. You're not in the right place. It was a heralding chastisement. Remember 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 2, where the Apostle Paul tells young Timothy to preach the word. That word preach literally means to herald forth, to challenge the people, to say, look, stop and think. Look at where, look where you were. Look what God's told us to do. And look what you're doing. Stop and think. Look at your life, where you're at. Chapter 1, verse number 12. So Haggai, he called them to a place of repentance and obedience. Verse 12 said, They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet. Well, what were the words of Haggai the prophet? To stop and turn. Stop and think, and then to turn, to enter a new relationship with the Lord. I want you to listen to me. That's what God sent me here today to do. To challenge you. Not to point a finger and to judge, but to, just to say, listen, stop and think. Where are you today? Where are you spiritually? Repent if needed. Be renewed. Recommit. That's what I'm calling you to do today. If you know you're not in a right relationship with God, you know you know not where you need to be. You need to turn. You need to obey the voice of the Lord. You need to experience His renewed touch. Recommit to the Lord. Fourth, notice this, a heart-rending commitment. There was a heralding chastisement. He, he said what God sent him to do. He called the people to turn and repent. And then there was a heart-rending commitment. The Bible says, verse number 12 of chapter 1 of the book of Haggai, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, with all of them, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai, the prophet, and the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. They obeyed. They responded to the call. And they turned and they experienced a renewed, a renewed touch from God upon their life. And they obeyed, they obeyed the voice of the Lord. Look at the Bible says in verse number 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. And so they began to trust in that. Remember, the excuse they had used in Ezra chapter 4 was, man, we've, we've got some opposition all these people are against us. They don't like what we're saying and what we're doing. So we're going to stop. That's the excuse that they bought into. That's what Satan used to turn them away from being faithful to the Holy Commission. And God reminded them, listen, you need to be strong. I'm with you. So be strong. Friend, listen to me. In the days ahead, it's not going to get easier to serve the Lord. It's going to be even more difficult. There's going to be more opposition to the Word of God and to the Gospel than there has been since this country was founded. And we're going to have to remember, friend, listen, that we may be in the minority as far as humans go, but, friend, if we're on the Lord's side, we're, we're in the majority. The Lord's with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He says, I'm, I'm with you. And look what the Bible says in verse number 14 of chapter, of chapter 1. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, and he stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts. They, they got, God stirred them up. Literally, friend, they were, they were renewed. They experienced his reviving touch. And there's a lot of people, you know, that like to stir people up, stir the pot. Don't look at anybody, but you know, that's not what happened. He stirred them up. He challenged them, friend, and then God stirred them up. They had fainted in their spirit. They had fainted in their commitment. They had fainted in their walk, and they experienced God's revived touch. They had a fresh, new beginning. 
And God continued to encourage them and to exhort them to faithfulness. Look at chapter 2, verse number 4. He says, Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the land, for I am with you. He says, Be strong. Don't be weak-minded. Friend, again, listen again. I want you to listen to him because I love you and I want to help you. If, if, if you're one of these cast-for-milk-toast Christians... But all somebody's got to do is look at you the wrong way in church, you know, and you're out for two months, you're never going to accomplish anything for the Lord. You're not. And, and if, you, if you expect everybody just to welcome you when you try to share the gospel and you try to stand for Christ in the workplace, within the family, and in your neighborhood, friend, it's not going to happen. What we need is some Christians today to be tough in the Lord. I don't mean hateful, but I mean be strong. And stop just, you know, well, the news is just so depressing. Sure it is. The outlook's bad, but friend, the uplook's good. Just be encouraged that. Be strong for the Lord. And say, everybody else may quit, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to keep moving forward in faithfulness. God says, be strong. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be challenges. They're going to, they're going to come against you even more to try to stop you from building the house of the Lord. Friend, if you seek to live for the Lord in these days, the devil's going to be on you and the world's going to be against you. But be strong. Be strong in the Lord. And also behind that, he says, don't fear, verse 5 of chapter 2, according to the word that I've covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. He says, do not fear. He reminded them of where they came from. He says, you'd still be making bricks in Egypt if it wasn't for me. I redeemed you out of Egypt. I was with you throughout all the days of the wanderings, 40 years in the wilderness. And it was me that stopped the water all the way to the city of Adam, Joshua chapter 3, verse 16, and gave you dry ground across. across. I'm the one that gave you victory from city to city to city to city. I'm the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And God says, do not fear. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's nothing to fear in these days. God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. Friend, listen, we don't need to be afraid of any legislation, any group, any people. God will not forsake his church. So don't be afraid. And God will provide. Look at verse number 8 of chapter 2. He's stirring them up. There's recommitment. And now he's trying to, 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 to assure them with promises. He said, the silver is mine. The gold is mine. God says, I'm going to give you everything you need to be able to resume being faithful to being the covenant, the, the, the group of priests, the kingdom of priests, and faithful to the covenant that you agreed to. Friend, these days ahead, whatever we need in ministry, that's, I've just always believed that. I know pastors that get up and beg for this and beg for that. Friend, we're not going to beg for anything. Everything that we need for ministry, it's here in the church. If it's finances, it's in my wallet and it's in yours. If it's service, it's in your shoe leather and it's in my shoe leather. we just got to be faithful to be available and do what God calls us to do. God will provide for His church. Then He continues to encourage them to say, listen, something greater is going to happen one day. The Messiah is finally going to come. Look at verse number 7. He says, I will shake all nations and they will come to the desire of of all nations. Well, who is the desire of all nations? It was Jesus Christ. This, this was a prophecy of some 500 years into the future when Christ was finally going to come. That was his first coming. And then there was a promise of his second coming. Verse number 9. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than that of the former, says the Lord of hosts. When the temple's rebuilt one day, and after seven years of tribulation, when Jesus comes again, friend, and the glory of God radiates from the temple there in Jerusalem. He was trying to encourage them of greater days ahead. And in response to all of that, chapter 1 and verse number 14, the Bible says they came and they worked. They came and they worked. They got busy doing what it was that God had called them to do. In Ezra chapter 6, verses 15 through 22, they completed it. They completed it. Friend, what God is calling us to do today is this. Listen. To stop and think. To stop and think. I'm going to ask you right now. Stop and think. Stop and Listen. Everybody look at me. Those who are listening by way of internet. Stop and think. 
Consider your ways. Has there ever really been a moment in your life where by faith you trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life? I, I don't mean that you joined a church, you signed a card, or you were baptized. Has there ever been a moment where the Spirit of God convicted you of your lostness, your need for Christ, someone shared with you from God's Word because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word, that all the sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's a penalty for sin. But God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to be our sin substitute, to take your place and to take my place. And the Bible says if we'll repent and by faith trust Christ to be Lord of our life, we'll be saved. Has anyone ever shared that message with you? And then as a result of sharing that, you chose to turn and trust Christ to be Lord of your life. Stop and think. Has there ever been a moment? Then why don't you do it right now? Let's bow our heads here. Those that might be listening, right now live or in a rebroadcast, if you've never done that, won't you do it now? Just bow your head and tell God you want to experience a second chance that can only be found in Jesus Christ and trust Him to be Lord of your life. Pray just like this. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm turning from all the sin that's in my life. God, I believe with all my heart that you sent Jesus to die in my place on the cross. I believe three days later he rose from the grave. And I want him to come live in my heart and to reign over my life. Be Lord of me. That's my decision today. If you made that decision, you're here. I want to invite you. No one's going to see you. Step over to where Brother Brian is to your left. He wants to pray with you and encourage you from God's Word what God wants to do next in your life. If you're listening by way of Internet, call us here at the office, email us. We want, we want to help you with that decision. Stop and think for just a second this morning. You know you're saved. But are you like the nation of Israel here in this text? You stopped working on God's house? You're not faithful to His holy commission because for whatever the reason was, you're not serving the Lord. Be honest. You didn't really read God's Word last week. You just give lip service to prayer and Bible study. You're not giving the best of your time to reading God's Word each morning in prayer. Burden over lostness, you're more burdened over a dead dog or cat in the road than you are over the reality that lost people burn in hell for all eternity. Experience God's renewed touch on your life today. Confess that you need revival and renewal. Repent of whatever it is that brought you to this place. And ask God to touch you today. Maybe in a prayer just like this. Oh God, as I have stopped today and thought through the conviction and ministry of your Holy Spirit, I realize I'm not where I need to be spiritually. God, I'm working on my own life. It's all about me, me, and me. God, I'm so sorry. Lord, I want to I turn. Like these people experienced a fresh start in you and began to work again. God, that's what I want to do. Forgive me of my sin. Touch me today. I want to experience that same freshness as the day that I got saved. Lord, I want to commit today, starting... Tomorrow morning, God, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to read your word. God, I'm going to fellowship with you through prayer. God, I'm going to allow you to strategize and work with me and give me favor. People that I can encourage and share your word with and your hope. Even come to a place, God, that I can call them and share with them how they can be saved or how they can experience revival and renewal like I have. God, I need a fresh new start today. Stop and think. Stop and think. You know, it's that time of the year for spring cleaning. To get all the winter dust, the leaves that have gathered off those old oak trees. Get all the pollen, everything fresh and new. Stop and think. You're still serving the Lord. But what has Satan brought into your life that he can begin to build a stronghold on? That you need God just like a good spring cleaner to clean away today. Stop and think. Would you not confess it? Would you not lay it at his feet? 
and leave here today in a clean, right relationship with Him. Father, thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. That, Lord, we can experience life and life more abundantly through You. And, God, we can experience a fresh new start just like You gave Your people here. Thank You for the ministry of Haggai. How He challenged them then. God, He speaks to us today to stop and think. Are we being faithful to the Holy Commission that you've given us? And really, God, are we loving you with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and our neighbors, ourselves? Whatever other decisions are in this place today, God, maybe someone just needs prayer and encouragement. God, I pray they'll respond. Speak to your church now. Might we be obedient. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Let's reverently stand our feet. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Peggy's going to sing. If you need someone to pray or talk with, Brother Brian will be here. You respond right now. I wish that I could roll the curtain back again. Rewind the hands of Father Time. There's so much more that I would do and I would say. All I really have is today. So here I am. Use me, Lord. Give me words to sing and say. Let me love. Let me live. Let me give myself away. Use my hands. Use my feet. All I have is yours complete. Fill the hourglass 